0: Welcome to Health Dose, a comprehensive program that focuses on issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. The American Heart Association reports nearly 6 million Americans have heart failure and 900,000 new patients are diagnosed each year. Today we're joined by Dr. Jeffrey Martindale. Dr. Martindale is a 2001 graduate of Dow High School and is a cardiologist and director of Mid Michigan's Heart Failure Program. Today we're going to talk about what heart failure is and how it can be managed. To that end, doctor, what exactly is heart failure?
1: Yeah, heart failure is an interesting syndrome that can develop in a variety of different people, can be seen in, in young people all the way through elderly folks that usually develops because of either a weakening of the heart muscle, where the heart is just not able to squeeze blood forward to the other tissues in the body in an efficient manner, or the heart muscle becomes stiff, and it's not able to relax. Even though it can squeeze just fine, it can't relax well, and that can cause impairment of blood flow to tissues and also congestion back of fluid into the lungs and other uh, into the legs, which in turn, whether it's because your heart muscle doesn't squeeze well or because it's too stiff, will result in breathing troubles, swelling in the legs, belly fullness, loss of appetite, generalized fatigue, and tiredness, so a variety of different symptoms. And what's interesting is that this syndrome can really be from a variety of different conditions. We can see this in people who've had heart attacks or blockages in their arteries. We've seen this in people who develop an infection that somehow can infiltrate the heart muscle, causing inflammation and reduced function. You can see heart failure in pregnant women or shortly thereafter delivery. We also see this in families. There's certain genetic cardiomyopathies that will result in in heart failure as well as certain substance abuse disorders like alcohol. So it's a pretty broad condition. You said congestion. Is there a
0: difference between heart failure and congestive heart failure?
1: I like to use the terms one and the same. Heart failure is what happens to the heart? But the congestive part is is how it makes our other tissues and our other organs dysfunctional. And it's really that's the congestive piece of it is how most people are going to experience heart failure for the, probably for the first time. And we've worked with a variety of different treatments to try to help prevent that from happening down the road. And it's a fairly common disease. It is. It's actually one of the most common conditions, particularly in older Americans and is one of the most common causes of hospitalization in adults. You mentioned the word cardiomyopathy, and I wanted to know what that meant. Sure. Cardiomyopathy is, is a term we use that references a condition that affects the heart muscle and causes the heart muscle at a cellular level to not squeeze appropriately or to cause fibrosis or thickening of the heart muscle. It may even be related to an infiltrative process where Scarring can occur as well. So again, a broad term but that, that is interesting because there's so many different types, pieces of this condition that can create a cardiomyopathy and the heart failure syndrome.
0: So what are some of the risk factors and what are some of the things that a person who has not yet experienced heart failure be keeping their eyes on if, say, like me, they have a history of it in their family?
1: Absolutely. So I think you make a good point. Understanding your family history is a huge piece of this and whether that's helping to understand and identify a primary genetic or familial type cardiomyopathy that runs in families, or whether your family may just be more prone to other types of cardiovascular disease like atherosclerotic disease causing plaque buildup and heart attacks, or other types of risk factors, even diabetes, obesity can play a role in the development of heart failure down the road. And so it's important to understand what that family history is so that you can work with your physician to risk stratify you and help understand when is a good time to be screened for heart failure or steps that you can take to reduce your risk of heart failure, such as having good blood pressure control, making sure that you're at a healthy weight, exercising regularly, if you have diabetes, making sure your blood sugars are well controlled, reviewing your lifestyle and saying, is there any toxicities or medications or substances that I'm maybe not using appropriately that could put me at risk of heart failure. Being that it's a complex condition, we need a comprehensive evaluation to risk stratify people.
0: What are some of the symptoms that I might be experiencing heart failure?
1: That's an interesting question because a lot of these symptoms are things that many people might experience on a day-to-day basis. But when we see a pattern of shortness of breath fatigue, inability to do normal activities that you and I might take for granted, starting to have to take breaks and rest on a frequent basis, starting to notice swelling in their legs, loss of appetite, or even increased abdominal distension. Yesterday, my pants fit fine, but now they don't. Those are things that we need to be watchful for. And so it can be, if you're not looking out for it, kind of a vague symptom or cluster of symptoms but should be taken seriously because it may be representative of a heart failure syndrome.
0: Right. The fatigue and shortness of breath, that kind of thing, could sometimes be
1: interpreted as just being part of the aging process. It can. And I've met people like that and they just say, well, I think I'm just getting older. Mm -hmm. And and then you start looking at them and talking with them and realizing this has been a decline for some time. And they are starting to show physical exam findings that would suggest heart failure, like swelling in their legs. When they're noticing breathing troubles at nighttime, waking up in the middle of the night with shortness of breath, or maybe because every time they lay down flat, they're short of breath. Those are concerning symptoms that a good a clinician would be able to pick up in a discussion.
0: How do you diagnose heart failure? What are the tools that you would use?
1: Right. So there's a whole host of um, blood tests that are useful in helping to diagnose heart failure. One of the best diagnostic studies that we have available to us is the echocardiogram. That's an ultrasound test of your heart, and it helps us really look at the heart muscle, the chamber sizes of the heart, the valves, how well the heart is squeezing. Is it stiff or not relaxing appropriately? And that is a good uh, tool for anyone who's being considered for heart failure. That is probably the first test to look at. Beyond that, once we've diagnosed heart failure, a variety of different tests that might be considered depending on your risk factors and what the possible causes or etiologies of your heart failure might be. And that could include other diagnostic studies like a coronary CT or CAT scan of the heart. It could be an MRI of the heart. It could include other specific or advanced blood tests or genetic testing, counseling with a genetic counselor. It may also include a heart catheterization or other types of invasive procedures too. And so the workup is tailored for each patient depending on their specific risk factors, family history, and other pieces. But I would say that the initial blood work and echocardiogram is the first steps that we see uh, to diagnose heart failure.
0: We've come leagues from where we were when I was a kid in, in treating and managing heart disease. What are some of the things that a person will do after they're diagnosed with the disease and things
1: that you will coach your patients to do? Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. There's There's been leaps and bounds changes in how we've been able to diagnose and treat heart failure. We're making real strides in reducing risk of dying from heart failure and reducing risk of hospitalization. Despite our best efforts, though, heart failure remains a serious condition that carries a high risk of both heart failure hospitalization and death. Things that we're looking for to help our patients with is getting them on what we call guideline-directed medical therapy. This is a cluster of medications that are specifically tailored for heart failure patients. Most of our heart failure patients will be on anywhere between three and five medications specifically for their condition to help reduce their risk of those bad outcomes. Then there's things that we we ask for them to do at home. Because congestive heart failure can lead to swelling and, and breathing troubles in a short amount of time, We do ask our patients to monitor blood pressures, heart rates, their weight at home. We're looking for early signs of congestion and fluid overload. We also ask them to follow a specific diet, mostly a salt-restricted diet. Americans as a whole, we eat way too much salt. Probably three or four thousand milligrams of salt in a day is a typical American diet. And I need our patients with heart failure to really eat less than 2,000 milligrams of sodium. And that's what the FDA and other organizations recommend for all Americans anyways. But in our culture, it's seemingly difficult to get down to that level with all of the convenience of restaurants and prepackaged foods. And so we worked hard to get them down to that level. And that's important because as we take in more salt, normal people, you and I probably can handle that much salt in the sense that we're not going to end up in the hospital with it or or with serious symptoms, but in people who have congestive heart failure, their body takes that salt in, causing them to retain more water, have more congestion, have more breathing troubles, have more swelling in their legs, and ultimately ending up in a whole heap of trouble and often back into the hospital with, with further issues. And so these lifestyle changes are really key to having success with heart failure. And those lifestyle changes that our patients are making, coupled with the management of a skilled heart failure cardiologist and team, are really going to put people with congestive heart failure on a good path to success with their condition.
0: You mentioned someone's pants not fitting uh, where they would have the day before. Is it, and, and you mentioned something about the, the, the rapid pace of symptoms. Yeah. Is it really that quick?
1: We have our patients watching their weights every day because e- even as as little as a two-pound weight gain in a single day mm-hmm. is concerning for us. That's mm-hmm. often not because you had a big meal last night. It's mm-hmm. because your body is starting to retain fluid mm-hmm. and your heart's not able to to help mobilize that fluid through your kidneys and other ways to to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, these patients, their symptoms can come on fast. The tricky part is is that the changes that occur that get us to that point where it feels like it comes on fast actually occur weeks in advance early neural hormonal changes early pressure changes inside the heart causing increased pressure in the lungs can be measured through different diagnostic testing but isn't clinically apparent to patients there's no symptoms that go along with those early changes and so a lot of times by the time patients get to having serious symptoms we're really behind the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's something we're we're doing here at MidMichigan is we're looking at tools that can help us diagnose and manage these early changes sooner mm-hmm. and being able to be ahead of the game and proactive in management. We do have a device that's called the CardioMEMS device. It's actually an implanted device that we put inside the body that provides us those early measurements of these pressure changes so that we can be proactive. Mm -hmm. And we can treat these early phases of congestion weeks ahead of time. And patients don't even know they're starting to collect fluid, and and we're seeing it in in real time. And this has been a huge advancement for our heart failure patients in allowing them to stay out of the hospital and live their normal lives and and do well. What are some of the services or
0: tools that are available to your patients through the Mid Michigan Heart Failure Clinic?
1: So the Heart Failure Clinic at Mid-Michigan is a comprehensive program. We have partnered with the University of Michigan to establish best practices in care for heart failure patients. We have a team of physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants at uh, multiple mid-Michigan sites in communities close to home, not just in Midland, that we're able to provide close follow-up, medication adjustment guidance and, and counseling for lifestyle changes. We have a team of telemedicine RNs that are able to reach out to patients at home and provide that next level follow-up so that they, they can continue to do well. And even in folks who may not have good success with those strategies and their heart failure progresses, unfortunately some do, We also have a close working relationship with the advanced heart failure and transplant team at the University of Michigan. Dr. Monica Colvin comes here to Midland and sees patients. We're working on expanding that service to actually include a teleconsult system so that patients can have advanced heart failure consultation in their home community and that we can start the process if with the University of Michigan if patients need a heart transplant or other advanced therapies. And so we're really trying to have and provide a strong and comprehensive heart failure program for, for our communities. And I think that's what we're doing.
0: That is cardiologist and director of MidMichigan Health's heart failure program, Dr. Jeffrey Martindale. As always, if you have health concerns, you should check with your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org doctors. In addition to its Midland campus, MidMichigan Health currently has clinic locations in Alma, Alpena, Clare, Gladwin, and Mount Pleasant. If you'd like more information about MidMichigan Health's heart failure program, go to midmichigan.org slash heart failure clinic. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.